Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Retail Ask and Expert Series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazenga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we, or mainly I like to say, Ann, the retail media organization that focuses on tomorrow today. Because today, we are turning our attention to the increasing complexity surrounding retail brand marketing. The number of consumer touch points are clearly growing. You've got TikTok, you've got Instagram, you've got digital marketplaces, you've got lions and tigers and bears. And as a result, the amount of content and information required to meet customers where they want to shop is quite honestly and scaling beyond control, leaving retail organizations hamstrung on what to do about it and how to understand what is working and also what is not working. So we've called in an expert to help us get to the bottom of all this, and particularly an expert in digital asset management, ranked number one in the space by Forrester. We have Binders, Director of Global Field and Customer Marketing, Brian Kavanaugh, to help us sort it all out. Brian, welcome to OmniTalk. Thanks so much, Chris, and uh, thanks, Ann. Uh, excited to be here. So excited to get going and, uh, and talk about everything you just said and probably a lot more, too. Yeah, it sounds like an absolute mess. My God, I can't wait yes. to dig in. Yes, I know. I All of my friends, my former advertising friends who are listening, just the word damn, like digital asset management, for most people, it's like a trauma response because it is <laughs> has been so poorly managed. It's like, go look in damn, go look the in damn. damn. Like, okay, <laughs> great. That's going to send me a journey. So I'm really, really excited for Brian to be on the show today to alleviate that pain and, and stress that's associated with it. Uh, and before we get into our discussion with Brian, I want to just remind everybody who's participating live today in our program that you can put questions for Brian, for the Binder team, right in the chat to the right of your screen right now. And we'll continue that conversation um, on in the live chat while we are asking all of these questions of Brian today. So uh, Brian, let's like set the table a little bit. Give the audience a little bit about your background and um, your role at Binder, if you if you would, please. Absolutely. So I've actually been at Binder seven and a half years, which sometimes wow. feels like a feels like a lifetime uh, in the tech world for sure. And yeah. I started as our first marketer in the U.S., which was okay. uh, actually a blessing, just because the only people I was sitting next to were salespeople and uh, account managers. And you sort of like, you hear the noise from uh, the street a little bit and you get a sense of like, what are customers talking about? You know, like, how are we growing this market type of thing? Mm -hmm. Over the years, I've always been focused on uh, go to market, particularly demand gen, but also customer content. How are we bringing our customers to life? What is the ROI and value, right? That we're moving forward with. So uh, anything pertaining to revenue, you know, myself and my team play a role in, of course, with uh, in conjunction with our sales team. And uh, yeah, so now that brings us to 2023. Last year, uh, we were lucky enough to you know, get a majority investment from a private equity firm, which was the largest in our uh, industry ever. So we were fired up about that. And this year has been kind of the beginning of a whole new chapter. So, Well, and Brian, I'd love to know a little bit and give, for you to give the audience a little bit of background on why you got those investments. What does Binder do that people were so intrigued by? Sure. And so, you know, you were you were joking, right, about the the dam so it sends off some kind of trigger for anyone who's worked with assets, who's been on a photo shoot or who's built a website or mm -hmm. anything, you know, uh, an e-commerce site, a mobile app. And we've been the leader in digital asset management for a number of years now. And what we've seen 
is this elevation because what you're referring to and particularly folks that might have been in the in the ad side or you know on the retail side is dam came up as a kind of functional platform yeah. where mostly creatives and some marketing or brand managers could just mess around store files you mm -hmm. know like maybe uh, assign what's approved versus what's archived but the last couple of years and you know covid definitely accelerated this but this is always going to happen is now it's got a lot more attention from the the CTO and the CIO, right. and it's really this sort of platform alongside these other downstream delivery platforms, such as what your website might be built on, your e-commerce might be built on, or your marketing automation, where all the assets actually come from the dam. And so while that's mm -hmm. exciting for us as a dam provider, it's also a whole new challenge, right, in terms of um, providing that kind of enterprise-wide solution where it needs to plug into all the other downstream applications and the content, you know, goes from binder to a website in a matter of minutes, which that means if anything happens in binder, like, let's just say, God forbid, you know, it were to, 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 to crash that website yeah. doesn't work anymore. And right. all of a sudden, you know, that's, that's the storefront for so many businesses. So we've definitely seen it elevate and had to step our game up a little bit. And I think, you know, when I talk about that investment, it's just, that's the potential, right? That's the mm -hmm. thesis is content enablement, the proliferation of content and how most organizations have a digital storefront, even if they're not in retail, but especially retail. So, right. So, so Brian, I mean, let's start, I, I want to start this conversation from like a 30,000 foot view if we yep. can. So, you know, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning, but I'd love for you to, to shed more light on it. Like why is digital asset management? Why does it have the attention of the CIOs, so to speak? You know, why, what, it, what makes it so complex these days? I'll give you just like a couple of examples if that helps, right? Um, and one would be most global retail brands used to think about their entire content operations regionally. And what okay. they would find is that they were doing eight or nine global photo shoots that were more or less all the same. Right. And so if you can create a global way of operating with sort of that hub and spoke model where then you're sort of pushing content and workflows, campaigns, anything back to these different regions that you're going to market with, I've seen brands in the course of six months go from those eight or nine regional photo shoots to one global one, right? Mm -hmm. And then so that is just mo mostly uh, a consideration of cost because cost. now you've sort of, you've cut your photo shoot budget like down ninefold, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's yep. kind of a relatively simple example, but it's it, it can be profound because it's no secret that 2023 has been all about profitability, cost cutting and efficiencies, right? And that has direct implications on content creation and how brands are even investing in, in things like this. The other part I would say, Chris, is more mm -hmm. on brand consistency, which is something that I think is when you just say it like that, it's abstract. But right. we, we literally have retail brands where their B2C function as well as their B2B function have entirely different brand guidelines, uh, ways mm -hmm. of working, photo shoots, retouching and all of that. So if you were to look closely enough, you would notice that those brands aren't as consistent as they aspire to be. But when that converges, that's all of a sudden where they realize they can operate a lot more centrally and a lot more efficient. So, got it. So I, I did a couple more questions I have on that too. Like, and because like I was kind of, I was kind of teasing it or joking about it in the beginning. Are the touch points just that much broader now too? Like, is that just create a difficulty for the retailers and the brands to manage all this too? Like. You know, keeping your assets across, track your assets across TikTok, Instagram, digital marketplaces, you name it. Like, is that also a major factor here? Yeah. And I'll fast forward to like the last touch point, let's say, 
there's a stat from Salesforce which found that over half of in-store purchases of the retailers that they polled, uh, there is some sort of digital content that needs to be consumed. Usually it's on a customer's mobile device or the sales mm -hmm. associate's tablet. So it's like, that's a whole other stream that we don't even think about, right? The mind right. goes to social, the mind goes to mobile right. application uh, or email, but there's all this other sort of use cases as we call it, uh, where you know content needs to be front and center that plays a role in a purchase decision or an ongoing brand loyalty. So just like basic product photography, it's as simple as that, like keeping track of those assets for your product yeah, most, pages and things like that. Most, most people, they go into a brick and mortar store. Now they see the price tag and they immediately just want to do a comparison shop on, is this cheaper elsewhere? Or what are some of the specs on this? Right? Like, was it ever, you know, is it going to be on sale? And it's like, that has to come up immediately and reinforce the decision. If you're already thinking, Hey, I might, you know, take this off the rack and, uh, and go to the counter with it. So yeah, I, I want to get into this more later too, but the other thing that's, you know, the buzzword of the day is AI, like is AI impacting your space from a 30,000 foot view as well? Like, is that starting to be something that people are asking you about? hundred percent. So again, I'll start with an example. You know, there are retail brands out there that we work with who are openly kind of asking, you know, if we do a photo shoot and then we, for whatever reason, sell out of certain these, this product, that product, could AI just in one fell swoop change the product on those same lifestyle images, right? Which is like, I don't think we're too, too far off from that because think about, yeah, graphic designers do that now, but it might take them like a week, right? In total, as opposed right. to just doing it instantly. But think about the implications on that of uh, product skew management downstream to your e-commerce, your inventory, man, all of these data points need to have kind of have a level of orchestration, but I don't think the AI itself is all that far off from that. And that's one example. You know, uh, just last week, we actually acquired uh, an AI search company. As mm -hmm. everyone knows, if you're familiar with Dan, search is fundamental because nobody wants to pour through like too many filters or folders. You know, you want an image of... What do you mean? I mean, 02823 <laughs> yeah. underscore yeah. pink yeah. underscore, <laughs> here's the DCM number. I mean, that's super easy to find. I don't know 100%. why, especially like four years later, it's no problem. So, so let me put it this way. Uh, nobody uh, likes to operate that way except for Anne. So most people, um, <laughs> Yeah. And, um, but so, you know, search is absolutely crucial. It, it actually, there's a lot of engineering that goes into making search intuitive and seamless and all of that, right? Um, and well, AI search, the company that we just acquired, you know, they can do these amazing things where you can actually search by image into your own database. So a good example would be you see something out there in the internet. You're like, I think we have, I think that's our image, but how do you prove mm -hmm. it? You can drop that into AI search. It can tell mm -hmm. you, oh yeah, that is your image. You should probably pursue some sort of licensing or, you know, make sure that whomever's using that is giving you royalties or takes it down. And that's just a simple example. The cooler one is conceptual search, right? Where you just, you just want to say, uh, you want to type, but yeah. eventually say with voice search, just show me, all, show me all the fun images. Mm -hmm. And then uh, everything in your database of potentially millions of assets just comes up because they've associated with fun. And then you say, okay, kids having fun and so mm -hmm. on and so on until you get to, you know, something that, uh, that you want to use. Yeah, man, this is such a life changer. Yeah. I cannot even this, tell yeah. you. This, oh, is so I know. Your, this is so in your wheelhouse, isn't it? I mean, yeah, from your background. It absolutely is. Well, and I think that you bring in, so, there's so many things that kind of, 
make this up, like how great this can be, especially with the advent of AI and being able to search based on, you know, different terms, what my search terms might be compared to a brand category manager's search terms might be, and just really all kind of playing as Chris would say from the same sheet of music. But I want to go into a little bit more of what you were talking about earlier about the different cases that, you know, retailers have to provide content for now and how that's really changed. Um, what, what other challenges are, are retailers looking at right now when it comes to their, their asset management? Like, can you go into this a little bit more and, and with all of the data, like coming in, especially from retail media networks, like how are, how are retailers supposed to customize these experiences now? Yeah. Well, I actually think that there's this sort of retail dilemma. If you think of the big providers, um, you know, the, the, the ones we all think of target Walmart, you know, home Depot and so on, so on and so forth, because they've got a brand to build uh, equity in and uh, that they want to be known for, you know, certain values, but also it's mostly other brands that they end up showcasing, promoting, or that also need to reflect in all of their content touch points. Right. So it's kind of this, this interesting thing where they've got to do both at once, right. They've got to, Home Depot, just as an example, has to lead with their brand so that they're competing with Lowe's, but mm-hmm. then also showcase the Stanley Black and Decker tool that Lowe's probably also sells, right? right. And um, we've got, you know, there's all sorts of things there where some of our customers might have in the tens of millions of total SKUs managed over thousands of brands that they have to make sense of and then align it with what is usually called like the promotional calendar or like what what sales and the editorial team are all trying to be in, in lockstep with. Right. So that's a total kind of, you know, wild card. And then most of these uh, retail brands don't exist in a silo, right. They've got some kind of partnership, whether it's targets partnership with Starbucks and Disney and all these other, you know, larger brands uh, that needs to come across. But the other thing I will say, and this could be a retailer of that scale, or it could just be like a midsize, retail brand that's got a couple, you know, brick and mortar stores in key cities. You know, we see Mm -hmm. a lot of online brands now starting to launch in New York, LA, Dallas, Chicago, that type of thing. And what they're trying to achieve is what we call personalization at scale. And that's an easy thing to kind of say. And actually the data part is what they've sort of figured out first. Yes. But if they don't have the volume and variety of assets to sort of properly message to each of those segments, then right. they don't actually get it off the ground, right? And the example that Chris and I were joking about is pretty quickly a pet food provider can figure out who's got a small dog versus a large dog, right? Right. Uh, and if they're if you're getting served imagery for large dog and you've got you know a a a, a poodle or or something, then that's not relevant. You got no business seeing that you know picture of the husky, but it happens every single day. And you know it, there's a whole the studies show right that relevant imagery converts at a much higher clip. And so that's what we're talking about with personalization at scale is actually having the visual content to fit right. your customer segments. I love that example because in the, yeah. in the old days, that would mean an entirely new photo shoot. You're a week, you know, weeks out from planning that and securing the talent and the funding for just that level of personalization. And you can't be that slow anymore. Yep. You just, it, it doesn't work. Oh, and, and, and I will add too. my dog Ginsburg, my Bernie doodle Ginsburg does not want to be served up a picture of a great Dane either, which is very <laughs> important. You know, you don't know Ginsburg. Maybe she's into great Danes. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, she, she might be. Yeah. She's, 
she's kind of flirtatious. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but no, um, but oh, getting back to this, Brian, like, I'm just, I'm curious, like, you know, how is Binder helping here? Like, explain for me how you're coming in and changing that so that Ginsburg is getting the Ginsburg appropriate ads or Chris is getting the a yes. Ginsburg appropriate ad sure now. Said. Like, where does, where does Binder come in? Yep. So in that example, and a, a straightforward one would be, you know, these brands are trying to match their front end experience, which is usually e-commerce or some yep. other, you know, site. Um, it could be a distributed retail situation, such as the, the Home Depot or the Dick Sporting Goods, like I mentioned, right? Uh, their CRM, where this data exists, or sometimes their CDP, customer data platform, where that knowledge of small dog versus large dog exists somewhere about that customer and the yeah. asset itself. And that's where this notion of like the connected ecosystem, which gets awfully IT and techie very quickly, but basically just marrying those platforms that handle that flow uh, is where that comes in in actuality. And so it's almost without the asset. Now you've got your customer data, you've got the e-commerce where they can actually make a purchase or some sort of transaction. But the assets is just a hodgepodge, like we've all yeah. experienced, like at the 11th hour, some brand manager emailing a creative director, do we have all the ones of the small dog, right? And then you get an email attachment back that may or may not be the latest, you know, approved. So we've yes. actually, so that's where it comes in and in like in practical terms, right? Yeah. Um, without getting too sort of in the weeds on workflows. But a good example is we've had customers turn off the upload button in their content management system or their e-commerce so that okay. people their users literally can't upload from a desktop. The only option is like source from binder and it sort of oh, ports cool. in okay. automatically. Right. And so yeah. those are the kind of uh, the user experience things on the back end that these retailers are trying to achieve at scale globally, because you do that, that's got huge implications. Now you're committed, but you're committed in a good way because it means that an image couldn't possibly come from anywhere other than the dam, as long as you've got, again, the volume and variety because you've invested in it. So, yeah. And that's and, simpler to find too. It's not yeah, the same. Exactly. It's not, it's yeah. not like it was before where each so, time you're going to the well. Yeah. And one other quick example is retailers matching the imagery with the offer. And mm -hmm. so uh, it's, it's awesome if it's relevant. Okay. Big dog versus small dog or sort of Florida versus Colorado in terms of imagery, but then the offer is also matched because we know that certain segments, let's say you're a hospitality brand, you might be a, a married couple traveling and want a luxury upgrade. Well, that's very different than the college kids traveling on a budget that just want a voucher to the pub or something, you know? Yeah. So if you can match the imagery to the offer and have that flow to the final transaction experience, well, now that's kind of achieving what we're, we're talking about here. And, and so Brian, you know, we you got a ton of interest in this webinar, this series with you particularly, and you mentioned the CIO. And so there's a number of executives that have registered to, to watch this or to get this content later. So, so my question for you is, you know, that all makes sense, but as I, you know, as I'm an executive sitting in their chair, what, what are the financial benefits or what are all the benefits I should say, both soft and hard to taking an approach like this? Yeah. So one would be Legacy software exists at every organization, and usually it's costly for a number of reasons. Any CIO is going uh, going to know that. So if that's the case, then that's an easy one, right? Mm -hmm, um, right. Some homegrown solution, sometimes even on-premise, even though on-premise is a weird thing to say in 2023, but that exists. The The other would be a lot of CIOs and uh, and heads of IT are now embracing this notion of composable architecture, which at its simplest terms just means 
a series of best in breed solutions that integrate well with each other, as mm -hmm. opposed to only using, not to pick on them, but Adobe and Microsoft and a handful right. of giant single suites, you know what I mean? And so uh, a lot of CIOs are sort of seeing the light on that. And then in terms of peer costs, we've seen even eliminating duplicate and siloed content can be like a 4X type improvement. So mm -hmm. let's say, you know, you've got all of it stored somewhere, you're doing multiple photo shoots, multiple campaigns, mostly duplicative. Let's say you reduce that from a million to 250K annually, right? That's pretty sizable even for uh, a large business. And then the last piece of ROI, I would say, would be, okay, you do all of the motions I just described and what we were talking about with more targeted content, more personalization at scale. It actually comes through in the engagement, right? Which every mm -hmm. CMO is, is after. So we've seen some pretty quick wins of just by executing a campaign on a global scale, as opposed to a handful of regional ones, uh, cost per impression goes down like 30% because you've, you're investing the same budget, let's say in your PR or in your paid social, but you've got more assets and they're more relevant and more markets now are participating. So on a pure like volume basis, right? You're actually engaging and going to market digitally in every market that you've uh, you're actually selling your product in, as opposed to being selective, which a lot of brands are now, right? You know, you've got maybe a couple that get the the lion's share. You know, North America, mm -hmm. maybe select European markets, and a bunch of other ones globally. Just I don't know, they're lucky to get anything in terms of right, promotion yeah. and sort of engagement. So uh, those are examples too. If you can match it to the the costs or the operating, like we say, versus the top line goals, and where is that bringing you for for growth? What I got, I got to imagine too, like it, it's, it's got to improve the revenue line too. I mean, you mentioned all the cost side, but given what you said before about getting the right, even product images on e-commerce for your customers and your store employees for when they have to field questions, like this is a rare, this is a rare technology in the sense that it, it aids on both sides of the equation. Am I thinking about that the right way? Definitely. And our customers that source their assets directly from the dam to their e-commerce or their .com website. It compresses the image, and this is getting awfully technical, but it's fun. It's okay. Yeah, because compressing the image size actually helps with page load speed, which helps with SEO rankings. And so if you're in a competitive market, such as like a hotel, right? Mm -hmm. People Google Hotel London. There's actually sort of orders of magnitude improvement you can make on your website's performance that then lists your sort of listing higher, right? Which is a direct correlation to, to total sales. So it's like these sort of digital improvements that can be made, which are directly related to the assets themselves, that all of a sudden your entire, like I said, digital storefront is taking sort of leaps uh, forward. Yeah, yeah, this is so smart. Like it just, it reminds me, Chris, of when you talk about like planning and like merchandising planning being done on Excel spreadsheets versus yeah. like having a 100%. tool. I mean, this is so closely compares to, to this for me from the marketing and, and like creative perspective. I mean, mm -hmm. we would just have to do shoots and we'd have 15 of that same yeah. product already shot, but it was like, well, this one has to be done again. We just, right. it, it was all a matter of like no one having one source of truth of like it. where all the materials are. And I, I just, I, I'm, I'm really well, impressed. Like improves another, the bottom line, cuts yeah. out photo shoots that yeah. are additional. And then you're also personalizing the content more. So your, your revenue line to your earlier point, Chris. Is another, uh, another theme of a lot of this is uh, agility or turnaround time or, you know, time to market people prefer different uh, phrasing depending on what you're talking about. But we've had certain customers where 
they might do a huge promotion. Um, and if they sell out of a certain product by noon, they can yeah. actually swap out the emails, the website banner yeah. and all the touch points so that in the afternoon, they're actually able to generate some new sales based on this new thing. Whereas mm -hmm. in the old way of doing it, well, that's just kind of how it goes, right? Just unfortunately, leaving stocks on the website, right? Literally, yeah. unfortunately, your customers are going to receive this email. They're going to go to your website. They're going to click, you know, whatever. It's going to have a big X on it that says no longer in stock. And I mean, that's not a great experience for them, but it's also just missed out sales, right? Where you could, if you're able to be adaptive and sort of swap out, you know, not only the image, but what it is promoting and, and line all that up with your inventory and everything else then that is amazing, right? Because you're yeah, truly yeah. reacting to how your customers are behaving. So, yeah, I mean, and I was joking, I think in a newsletter when I was promoting this event, like, you know, I was joking that you and I lose our minds on this. And this is just two of us, you know, trying oh, to yeah. track of assets. I can't imagine trying to do this at like a large scale operation, like a Walmart oh, no. or a Target or a Home Depot, no. like Brian's talking about. So, all right, Brian, well, we're getting to the end here. So I want to come back to AI now because... You know, and you, you mentioned a few use cases, but sometimes we get a little too far afield on AI. Like I like the the analogy I heard at grocery shop recently that it's like it's like a fast moving train that everyone wants to get on. But but I imagine you guys are actually really deploying it with customers. So I'm curious, like what are some real life use cases or examples of how you're deploying AI with retailers, both generative and traditional approaches to AI that you can share with the audience? Traditional would be like uh, like auto tagging, do you know what okay. I mean? Which has actually yep. uh, been around for for a number of years now, and that's just based on Amazon's own database. You upload a bunch of images; it's going to have what we call object recognition, mountain, mm -hmm. car, you know, uh, woman type of thing. Yeah, uh, and that's super helpful, right? Because that's just mm -hmm. less tagging. You want to sometimes that's how people think is they just want to search based on some kind of general term. That's been around for a while. Our customers have been have been leveraging that. I mentioned the AI search uh, before, right? With yep. Duplicate Finder, eventually you'll be able to search by concept um, and it will just know. The other would be, of course, chat GPT. And so we actually, there's a, there's a, a portion of our product suite, uh, one of our modules called Content Workflow. And basically it's a content editor that you can then port into your content management system, such as mm -hmm. WordPress or wherever your blog is or wherever your, your website pages are. So that leverages chat GPT and uh, it, it combines that with approvals. So a good example of that is a lot of retailers, uh, certain products that they sell uh, are actually pretty specific in terms of the, the regulations of what has to be communicated about it. So you can uh, teach the, the model to spin up the drafts of what should that product description say, maybe tweak it a little bit and then like send it for approval to whomever has to approve it, which sometimes is actually the, the legal team, but definitely like a head of brand or something like that. So chat GPT is kind of something we're, we're getting started with and is like the same concept as the dam, but more, uh, more text-based than, than visual. Yeah. A smart, smart app operations application of, of chat GPT here, I think, which is important and something that retailers are trying, like to your earlier point, Brian, like retailers are really looking at where, where can they drive the most return on investment for some of those, yep. uh, those new technologies. And the, um, um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say the, the next sort of uh big thing in front of all of us is going to be Firefly, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. most organizations use uh, Adobe creative suite and mm -hmm. I think Firefly has the potential to be a game changer, but again, uh, the implications on managing all of the assets and knowing right. what was enhanced by AI and wh what wasn't uh, right. is going to just only increase the same type of challenges that we've all been talking about, right? Around the the, the management at scale of uh, of all of your content. 
Well, and Brian, I'm curious, we've talked about the the value proposition, which is absolutely there from, from my perspective, having mm. worked in the creative um, and brand management areas of a major retailer, but what is an, what is an implementation like? Cause we're talking to, to C, CIOs here. We're talking to creative teams, it's a lot of different categories within the retailers, but how do you kind of approach this at Binder? Sure. We encourage customers if they're overwhelmed or if they're like, wow, where do we even get started? Right. Um, yeah. To think of like a land and expand uh, approach. We've had certain customers in retail that might only start with uh, a few thousand assets specific to their brand team, maybe logos and the most used okay. you know, assets that go to, let's say, press and media. Right. The sort of the corporate investor relations image and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, knowing that over the course of time, they're going to migrate, you know, tens of thousands pro uh, of product assets that, you know, have to stay somewhere now, but then that's the next phase. And then it mm -hmm. could be something else, all of their photo shoot and their retoucher flows eventually can run through binder, but you want to sort of design that, uh, as well. And we actually have, uh, more library scientists and sort of internal, uh, onboarding managers and project managers than most providers. A lot of providers outsource it, which you know, is fine, but we kind of have the the model of like our team's been through it, you know, X mm -hmm. amount of times. And yeah, on the large side, it might take, I don't know, six to nine months all in, but like that should be no surprise to any enterprise CIO when you're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of assets where there can be zero degradation or zero like hiccup in terms of using it today. And then right. tomorrow you're using it, but it lives actually somewhere else, right? Because yeah. like, like, again, these are their most critical assets. These are showcasing their products in e-commerce and on email campaigns every single day. So, yeah, Brian, I love, and I love the, that one reason I wanted when, when we met, I want to have you on too, is I love the pragmatic approach. You're not like trying to sell me something. Like, oh yeah, it'll happen in weeks. You know, it's like, no, this is, this is a, this is a thing you have to take seriously and you have to take the right amount of time to do it. So I want to get you out of here on this last question though, because there's a, another element here that I think is really important. And this is where I'm going to put my merchant hat on. Anne's been putting her marketing hat on, which is a little bit of marketing too, but mm. There's some content analytics that comes into play here too with your solution and what you can do as well. Can you describe what comes into play there? Because I think that part's really interesting and it's great to get the mind going here as we close the sure. session out. Absolutely. Uh, one would be external. So link-based. If you're using the same link that lives in the dam and you know we're not the only dam that does this, so I like to think we have the most elegant sort of solution for it. But if it's link-based, Eventually, you can have a list of which endpoint is pinging that link and using it. Uh, and so it'll literally say Facebook. And then every single day, that number will just keep going up because that's being served up, as we call it, right? right. On, on Facebook users' feed or anything else that they're looking at. We call that delivery metrics. It's pretty important. And it's not something DAMS or any content system has offered always, but are like I think it's critical now because we have... CMOs coming to us saying like, yeah, we have a global initiative. We have to show the performance of our content and you'd be shocked or maybe, you know, because you guys work yeah, with retail brands like um, in years past, it was just okay to create all the assets and literally right. never speak of them again. And hopefully somebody uses them downstream. Right. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> that never happens. Yeah. If I didn't, if I didn't know Anne's sort of deadpan, <laughs> then I would say that she loves searching by folders <laughs> yeah. and she's never right. experienced yeah. uh, th this things that, uh, so, no. but yeah, it's that, but then even like more internal as we, <clears throat> as I would say, we've had instances where you track total number of views, downloads, 
and uh, and usage by let's say your retail partners. And we've had some pretty eye-opening stats where you track it by color and a manufacturer of a product is like, yeah, we thought the blue would be the best seller and we created right. all these assets around the blue one, but our retailers love the purple one. So next season, we're going to create a more even distribution of assets, blue, purple, green, so on and so forth. So it's kind of cool to get that feedback of like, hey, you put all of your product shots out there, which ones are your retailers using the most? Yeah. And if you can yeah. answer that, and then now you're planning better for your next uh, you know, content creation season. So. Well, even, even responding with changed, like, uh, product in the moment now, like being able yeah. to change that to purple or to yep. say, you know what I mean? Like you were saying the dynamic, like emails and stuff yep. that can go out that can kind of so, push those other colors or styles or that's whatever. A good point is like, if you've got that insight, then you could swap out the link of wherever that sort of campaign is delivered the, the blue one for the purple one. But actually look to our conversation on AI, eventually you might even be able to enhance it sort of when it's already in circulation. Oh, let's right. just make it yeah, the, the, the firefly because so people are yeah, people are buying the, that one more. So I yeah. just think the I just think the power of that data, like you know, like how valuable is the model in this shot or the type of dog in this shot, right? And is is what I'm paying for the talent worth what I'm getting back for it? You know, yep. like that that starts to become incredibly powerful. So and I know you're laughing, but you're like, yeah, it's totally dead on, right? So. Mm -hmm. All right, man, Brian, that was awesome. I can tell and 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 thoroughly love this. So did I. I'm like yes. geeked up. I got a big smile on my face. So thanks so much for spending time with us. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more, get get, you know, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, first off, I would say connect with myself on uh, on LinkedIn, which we can even, you know, provide the link to and make make that easy enough. I love connecting with people, you know, feedback on the session, good, bad, or indifferent is uh, yes. is always welcome. And then for, for Binder, I always just say, if you go to binder.com, that's where all of our information is. But we also uh, have a chat bot that is not managed by AI, that is managed and looked at by real people that are, you know, eager to talk and answer questions and just hear from, from people if you've checked out the session. So that, that would be my recommendation. Just go to our website, uh, you know, check out our, our, our video, videos and PDFs. But also, if you'd like, just engage with someone directly on our chat. Awesome. And that's awesome. B-Y-N-D-E-R too, binder.com. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Brian Kavanaugh of Binder for sitting down with us today. And thanks to all of you that joined us on LinkedIn and asked your questions of us live during this session. And as always, on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk Retail, be careful out there. <laughs>